0: Let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there. My name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times bestselling authors and much, much more. These people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey. To learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Four, three, two and one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Michael Alden, founder of Blue Vase Marketing, founded based on the values taught in the book, The Go-Getter. And under his direction, the company is going to be a premier direct response firm that covers every aspect of direct marketing. In addition, Michael has some incredibly powerful and impressive accolades that I could not even get close to covering in this very brief introduction. So without any further ado, how are you today, Michael?
1: You know what? Uh, I'm fantastic, uh, but it's early, so I'll get better.
0: (laughs) That is an awesome answer. I'm definitely going to start saying that. So I I learned
1: that from Zig Ziglar. Uh and uh and I I it throws people off, man. They're like, what? You're f-? or I saw I'm fabulous. And they say, Well, how can what's better than fabulous? I said, I don't know. I'm working towards it though. <laughs> Even <laughs> when you feel like shit and you say that, at some point you'll feel better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really do appreciate your time. Thanks. Um, yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Let's jump right in.
1: All right, let's do it.
0: What is your story?
1: Wow, all right, what do we want to start? we start from birth uh so you know yeah. um you know, I've told the story a bunch of times, so uh, you know I grew up uh like a lot of entrepreneurs did in in a tough tough upbringing. I grew up surrounded by crime drugs violence uh my mother's h i v positive my stepfather died of AIDS. Uh, my stepmother just died of an, of, of an overdose like a couple weeks ago. One of my brothers died of an overdose. Kid I grew up I was in jail for life or murder. Um, I remember what it was like to stand in the separate line in elementary school and middle school and high school because my lunch was subsidized by the state. Um, I wasn't really the best kid. I w- used to fight a lot. I, you know, petty theft here and there. Uh, and um, you know, it was difficult. But I always tell people that I wouldn't want it any other way. And they said, "Well, what do you mean?" It was. You know, again I remember it was like uh, one morning my mom said, "Hey Mike, go outside and warm up the car." We're from Boston and it's, you know, it was in the winter and I go out and the car wasn't there. Um and it's not because it was stolen because it was repossessed, you know. And the 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 constant eviction notices and all that stuff, you know. There were a lot worse situations than mine the way I grew up, but I tell people uh, I I think The higher power, whether it be God or whatever it is, whoever you believe in um, for that gift, you know, um, because I have a chip on my shoulder. So I'm constantly trying to prove, you know, to my to my uh, girlfriend's mother who told me I'd be dead by the time I was 17 or my um, guidance school counselor who told me that college isn't for everybody. And I should maybe consider something else. um, He was right. And he was actually being giving honest advice, but that really pissed me off. You know, so I kind of grew up again, surrounded by all this negativity and this difficult stuff, but it drove me. And the challenge is, is that the same I have, again, family members, friends grew up the exact same way that are dead in jail, you know, addicted, addicted. And people say, Mike, well, what makes you so different? You know, like, why, like, why were you able to achieve quote success? And it's such a fluid term, like whatever. And we could talk about how to define success later on. But at some point, I'm just on a mastermind call, a mastermind that I'm a, a member of. I'm not running it. I'm on with, with these other guys. And, and, and I, and I, I started to think about when I was a kid, you know uh, what makes me different. And really at the end of the day, I decided that I didn't want to be that kid anymore. I decided that I didn't want to go down the path uh, that a lot of my friends are going down. And it was at like 14 years old. That's when you make the decision, you know, you can make these decisions at any point in your life. Uh, And I made those decisions and um, you know, there's a a little bit of, you know, quote luck along the way, but at the end of the day, I just, um, I saw a different life for myself, you know, and uh, I'm still working at it. Wow. Yeah. That's it. That's all. That's all folks. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Tune in next time. <laughs> so let's talk about that time when you were fourteen. Mm-hmm. I really want to drill down into that experience. Like, what what was the the turning point? What were you thinking? How did you make that decision?
1: Yeah, uh, was two things happened. Uh, it, was, it was two that I can remember. It was probably a little bit more than that. Uh, one of them was, um, you know, I was fighting. I was stealing. I was like a tough guy. Uh, and, uh, one day my father, my parents are, uh, my, my parents were divorced, but they were still kind of, my father was always kind of still in the picture and he brought me for a walk on the beach. Uh, and, uh, he turned to me and he says, so you want to be a gangster do you want to be a thug? And I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He's like, you're fighting, you're stealing, you're drinking, you know, you doing." I never did any drugs, but I was like uh, you know, probably pretty close, you know? Um, and, uh, I said, what do you mean? He says, look, I, if you're going to do this, He says, I'll introduce you to the right people. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'll introduce you to real gangsters. I'll introduce you to real drug dealers. I'll introduce you to real thieves and we'll just do it right. And he, and he was talking to me. I smiled because he was talking to me and and he seemed very serious and he probably was um, like, as if, you know, he was like a proud father and he was going to like, you know, he's like, congratulations. He was like, you're being a made man or something like that. And I was like, and he's like, and then he's like, by the way, um, just so you know if you decide to go down this path, and I guess I'll, I'll I'll put you in front of the, the best guys that I know. Um, uh you know, be prepared to go to jail, you know, be prepared to carry a gun, uh, be prepared to get shot at, be prepared be prepared to get robbed. And I was like, Holy shit, I remember that and I'm like, That's not really what I want to do. I mean, was, I, I, I thought of myself as a tough guy, you know, and, and I and I was, but it's like, Man, I don't want to do that, you know? And um, there was another time, <clears throat> so I'm here in, in my studio uh, in Beverly, Massachusetts. It's where my home is, uh, it's where my business is. And uh, I was in another town called Peabody, Mass., uh, right next to Salem, Massachusetts, which is where the witch trials were. So a lot of people know that. Uh, and I was playing basketball. I'm a big dude, I'm not really a basketball guy, but we were playing basketball. Uh, and this is pre cell phone, you know, I think page, pages are definitely around. Uh, but um, these kids knew who I was. Uh, and you don't, it's, it's, again, no Facebook, none of that stuff. And they knew who I was and I came home and I told my mother, I was like, Hey mom, and am in Peabody and these kids knew who I was. She said, how did they know who you were? Uh, and I said, well, it's because I beat up so-and-so and then I beat up this other kid and I beat up this kid and they heard about, they heard about what a tough guy, you know, I was, I didn't say it like that, but I, I said something like, yeah, they'd heard that I'd beat up, you know, so-and-so. And, and, um, and then she said to me, is that how you want to be remembered? And I, I get chills every time I tell the story because I remember where I was. I was sitting in our apartment in state housing right here in Beverly, Massachusetts. And uh, I don't remember what I said to her, but I remember internalizing and saying, fuck, no, I don't want to be remembered like that. And so then I did start to think about like, OK, so I'm a big dude. I like to fight. <laughs> um, you know, I was good at football. Uh, my grades were horrible. I was seeing some other kids. See, where I grew up or where I grew up in Beverly, Massachusetts, uh it's a it's a pretty diverse mix. You have um, extreme affluence. In fact, Beverly Hills was founded from a guy from Beverly Mass. Uh, and and then you have, you know, that you have extreme poverty as well, you know, drugs, violence, the whole thing. And 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 so I was able to see all that stuff. So I had friends that were what I thought were rich kids, they were just middle class kids, and they were doing the right thing. They would they were we were playing football together, baseball together, and, um, but they were getting good grades. And then they started talking about college and prep school and all this other stuff. And I remember saying to myself, I'm going to be left behind. And so right around that time, 14, 15, freshman year, sophomore year, like towards the end of my freshman year, I realized if I don't do something on my own, then I'm fucked. Like there's, the, you know, you can't, you can't really um, go back from that. I mean, you can always try and fix stuff, but you can't fix your grades. You know, unless you stay back, you know, Um, and so that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to focus on trying to get decent grades. I'm going to try to get into, um, you know, college. And and I did, you know, so for my sophomore year, junior year, senior year, I went from being that punk kid on the streets to it sounds so trivial now at 44 years of age, but uh, it's a turning point in one's life, you know. And uh, so I made those decisions and it, and, it, and it was hard work and I scratched and, and not really fought, but I mean, fought for, for what I believe I deserved up until my senior year became class president, captain of the football team, um, you know, doing all the doing all the right things. But by then, here's the part that I really want people to understand for your young listeners and, and viewers is that even though I, I turned it around, I had screwed up so bad my freshman year and even into my sophomore year that my, my senior year, I had straight A's. It didn't even matter. I still graduated. I spoke at high school. I still graduated with a well, nine GPA. It's a C minus average. So the odds of me getting into college were slim to none, right? Um, but, but I figured it out. Obviously, I did. And then I went into law school. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But um, I just saw my life and I tried to look into the future and I said, I just didn't want to be that kid. You know, I just, I saw kids going to jail. I'm just, I, you know, I I just, um, and I also, you know, growing up poor, I just knew I didn't want to be poor anymore, you know? So those are the two moments that I can remember that definitely had an impact in my lives. My parents love hearing that story because they feel like they, they had, they had an impact in which they certainly did.
0: (laughs) So how did you then proceed after high school?
1: Yeah, so you know it was, um, y- you know it was, you know again you work towards the grades, right? So you try and get those grades up to a point where you know where you you could at least be looked at. Um, took the SATs twice, got the exact same score twice, which was a nine ten, which was you know not good. Uh, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't good. Um, uh, and then you know, but from from that point on, so y- you know, I had coaches. Uh, and I had, you know, other friends and their parents and in- including my parents as well. Like they care, like my parents cared, you know, my mother's HIV positive, not because she was a drug addict. She was infected from my stepfather. You know what I mean? My mother went to college, my father, you know, even though my father was addicted to Coke, but by then, you know, my senior he, he, you know, he had turned his life around. So they cared. And so they were, you know, definitely tried to help me. And so when I talk about my first book, ask more, get more, you know, I decided first that I needed to ask for more out of life excuse me, out of myself, then I decided I was going to ask for more out of others. My mother, my father, my coaches, my teachers, people around me. You know, I was a senior in high school. I remember, I remember this moment, a senior captain of the football team, class president, you know, really on an upward tra- trajectory. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty, pretty sure I was going to go to college by then, or at least prep school. Uh, and uh, I hadn't showed – I didn't show up to school. Uh, and I got a phone call from the head coach of the football team, and, and, you know, this is, again, no cell phones. I asked the phone. He's like, Mike, he, said, yeah. he says, if you don't show up to school today, you're off the team. That same day, true story, that same day, I was taking um, just college college prep English, right? You know, it's a little bit higher than regular English. Right. Uh, and uh, she called my house too, same day. I find out later on in life, because I've talked to both of them, they, this was not a, a, a coordinated effort. They didn't even know that they were both doing both of them. She says, if you don't show up to my class, I'm going to fail you. And by the way, I had an A average, right? And I was like, what? So now at that moment in life, I see so many people, especially young kids like, fuck you, dude. I'm um, by the way, hopefully you don't mind if I swear, but they're like, you know, what? I'm just, I, you know, I, I, I I'm not going to do it. I'm going to push the envelope. And it's that pivotal moment in life that really could change one way or the other. If I decided, eh, I'm going to push. It. I'm not going to go um, my life would probably be a lot different, you know? And, and so from there, it's like, all right, I saw my, my friends that were doing well and I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be in college. I didn't want to be that kid that my my girlfriend's mother said that I should have been, you know what I mean? I wanted to prove to everybody else that I'm worthy uh, and we all are worthy. And I just realized, and there's so many things, there's no secret pill. There's no formula. There's no, there's um, you, you know, there's, there's no magic potion that you can take. It's, it's just fucking work. And you put in the work. I tell my daughter this all the time. Here's the deal. You put in the work, and you and you and the effort and, and, and it's a it's a conscientious effort and whatever it is you're doing, sometimes it's not gonna work out the way you want it to. Sometimes you're gonna put in all that work and it's just you're not gonna get a good grade. I tell my daughter that you're not, you know, it's gonna happen. But when you put in all that work and you get that A. And I'm using a, and, and almost a metaphorically uh, when you use it in, in any form of life, when you put in all that work and you get the prize or the goal and you achieve that stuff, it feels great, man. It feels great. And so those, those wins, right. Uh, are, are, are so important, but also the losses are so to, to kind of to circle back to what we're saying is, is that I just decided that I was, I wanted more wins uh, than losses and I was going to work for it. But man, at, you know, 18 years old, 19 years old and, you know, you, you know, again, you score nine ten in the SATs twice. Uh, you know, you get waitlisted. Um, but I mean at least I got looked at. And here's the other thing. For me, it was football, right? Uh I was I was good enough to get into like a division two school. Uh, and that got me to, you know, to where I needed to be. And then by the way, then you start over, right? So now you're in college. You start all over again. Uh, but it was like a clean slate. So I get to college, it was a clean slate. And so, you know, you just now, you're like, all right, I I deserve to be here. I got in, I'm here. Now you're going to make some of it. I see so many kids, especially the middle-class kids or the upper-middle-class kids, and they just blow it. Way, you know, way better education, way better upbringing, a lot more a lot more advantages, uh, and they just blow it. I see a lot of the poor kids, like kids like me, you know, that that make it there, they're like, they take advantage of it. They take advantage of everything possible. And I tell people all the time, exploit the opportunities that are given to you it's not a negative thing use them to your advantage ask more get more so again it's the essence of my first book so i i'll, I'll let you interject and just keep going
0: <laughs> i love this by the way and <laughs> just for the record yeah. you can curse as much as you want oh, this good, right, un- good. All right. unedited unscripted oh, okay cool because so.
1: i'm from boston so we swear a lot so, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: so okay so you got to college You have a clean slate. You're like, all right, this is my chance. This is my opportunity. Mm -hmm. What do you do from there?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it, back to that, that, that non-secret formula, you know, you're just working hard, you know? So what? here's the thing too, about growing up the way I grew up. So at a very young age, I was, I was not doing, I was not making the right decisions. Uh, you know, I drank at a very young age, um, but I saw a lot of things I probably shouldn't have seen at a young age. So, but by the time when I got to college though, like none of that was like a big deal to me, like girls weren't a big deal. Drinking wasn't a big deal. It's like, whatever, you know um, I still did that stuff, but I also knew that so when I got into college, it was more than just grades. Uh, uh, it was a lot of the, a lot of the things that I'd done, class president, capital football team. I did a lot of volunteer stuff and I didn't do that shit just to get into school. I did it because I wanted to. Um, but then I also had like um you know, had recommendations, you know, from 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 local congressmen and local officials and things like that. So I felt as though that I owed them a duty to make sure that I put in the effort. You know, my first my first semester, I got a two seven five GPA, which is like it's C plus B minus type average, and I was like, all right, cool. Like I know, like I know I can do this. But then again, as you know, like people like in, in now my other book, I'm not I'm not trying to sell my books here, but it's like, okay, two seven five, that's great. I'm I'm not failing, better than half the other people, but Now it's an uphill battle, man. Like I knew I wanted to go to law school, right? So I had to continue to put in that extra effort. And again, same thing, you get to my, my, all the way to my senior straight A's. um, And I graduated with exactly a 3.0. So I started out 275 and I graduated Four years later, with literally exactly three point zero 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 one or something like that, um, which again is borderline to, to to be able to get into to get into law school. So I worked hard, and you know, people talk about this, and I was talking about this in another podcast recently, where there's a there's this big thing where like you guys got like Gary Vee, Ty Lopez, Cardone saying you know college is is uh, you know is a scam or it's not worth it, and all these other things, and I'm like, well, hold on a second. I don't know how Gary V went to Mount Ida because he shows his grade. I love Gary, love him, but he shows how he got straight F's or whatever in high school. So how did he get into Mount Ida is really my question. I don't know. Maybe he talks about, it. I just, don't, I, I never really knows. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but he went to college. Okay. Um, Greg Cardone went to college. I'm not sure if Ty does. I don't know if Ty did or not or whatever, but these, all these guys out there saying how, how, um, what a waste it is. Now here's the challenge. These guys are outliers, these guys aren't like the normal, average, everyday people. I've been to Ty Lopez's house at a small, intimate setting. I've talked to Ty. Um, I've been on Grant Cardone's show. I've, I've hung out with Grant Cardone. I've been in the rooms with Gary Vee. Um, these guys are total outliers. They're the hardest-working guys you'll ever meet, and they're, and they're brilliant. They really are. Forget about college. So, But, the re- but my, my, my soapbox moment here is don't discount college uh, because you see those guys. There are things you can learn there, like what I learned. Okay. You learn that, all right, well, if you see these guys going out Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, even Sunday, drinking, doing all these things, you know, at some point, something's going to suffer, you know? So I made the decision, all right, well, maybe I'm going to go out once a week, all right? I'm just going to go out Friday or Saturday, pick it Sunday, all day Sunday. I'm in the library all day Sunday. Why? Because I had to. You know what I mean? Like you just, there are some people that are, quote, naturally gifted, I guess, but I had to read this stuff. And I, you know, and, and I didn't get, you know, a lot of this stuff and then, you know, we'll get into law school at some point, but I just had to put in the work. It just, it just is what it is. And here's the thing is the little gem from that. Once you realize that, and by the way, this is pretty much everybody in any aspect of your life from, from birth to death, it's always work. And once you can uh, be, get comfortable with that and recognize, you know what, I got to work in order to be successful, then it just becomes easier. It becomes easier because you're mentally prepared to say, all right, I got to put in the work. And when you don't put in the work, it's just not going to happen. So college is the same thing. Y- you know, you learn, uh, you know, all these different things in college, again, uh, the ability to manage time, um, the ab- what it feels like to work really hard and get a great grade, what it feels like to work really hard and not get a, uh, uh, you know, a grade uh, that you, that you expected. Um, you know, I played college football, You know, so you know that you have to be able to manage that discipline and that time. And by the way, I was, you know, it's the classic high school hero, college zero. I didn't start one game. A little side note, John Cena uh, was on my team, uh, the WWE guy. Um, And, uh, you know, so you learn this stuff, these social skills that are uh, almost immeasurable. You can't put a grade or, or a number on them. So I would say to people, yeah, college is expensive. But here's the thing. Go to your local community college, go to your local state school. Like Salem state is a now a university near me and people used to talk shit about it all the time. It's a great school. I took some classes there one summer uh, and I learned a lot and, you know, take some classes, uh, go to your, your local community college. After I graduated college, before I went to law school, I took a Spanish class uh, at the local community college because I realized that I had made it four years. I was fluent in Spanish, but I had forgot everything. And and I took a class at a community college before law school because I wanted to continue uh, and further that education. I've lost it all since. But there is a great value in, in education, especially learning from others who have done it. And a lot of times at the community colleges, they usually are. They're not even usually, well, it's a mix, but a lot of them are actual professionals in their field, you know, that are, you know, they're professional uh, speakers or business people or whatever it is, you know, or maybe even they teach uh, in high school or things like that. So they're doing the things that they're teaching about, you know, they're not just lifelong professors.
0: So. So then you have this aspiration to go to law school, right? Where does that come from and how do you make that happen?
1: Yeah, it comes from growing up in, in the projects and seeing. Uh, uh, to be quite candid with you, I um, I felt as though that the police had too much power. Um, I, I saw what they what they could do, and I saw what they did do. Um, and uh, I also, it's crazy, man. You know, it's, when you're a kid and you write down like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" and they'd be like, you know, "Fireman, doctor." I wrote down lawyer. I don't even know. I don't even know. I I, I don't even know how I knew what a lawyer was. You know what I mean? Like my mother didn't work at a law firm or any of that stuff. Um, And so I just knew that I, that I wanted that. And I also think about the the levels of success. And, and so when you think about academia, uh, you know, the highest levels you can really get, right. Is your PhD, MD, or your JD. Now, your JD, which is Juris Doctor, which is an attorney, there's one more level, it's called your LLM. It's like you're almost like your master's in law, so you can go a little bit higher. But I said to myself, I'm like, you know, if I could, man, imagine this kid that grew up in the projects who was, fighting and stealing and getting in trouble and everyone said he should have been dead like imagine if that kid graduated law school like how cool would that be you know when I was a senior in high school I tell this part of the story I the kid I grew up with was in jail for life for murder I and mean, like literally this kid was my neighbor I mean I grew up with him like we knew each other I mean, we mean, were, we weren't best of friends but we were close friends you know uh and it was a horrible thing and it made that international news and I had to testify in that trial Okay, uh, my senior in high school, I had to testify in that trial to so the things that I saw when I was a freshman in high school. And now I'm a senior, and I'm class president, captain of the football team, and and I was on the fucking front page of the paper in my football uniform uh, against the, the 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 district attorney. Uh, his name's Kevin Burke, um, and it it destroyed me, like like emotionally. Uh, it it uh, it was really really difficult time. Um, but it, um, I'm getting to the point of law school is is that so I get to now, or I want to go to law school. And so you know, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm actually, uh, I uh, interned for a congressman when I was in uh, college, did some great things there. Uh, and I went to Kevin Burke and, uh, and I, I said, Hey, you know, I want to go to law school. By then he had realized what a mistake he made because I wasn't, a, I wasn't a bad kid anymore. And, he, and I was doing a lot of great things. And so Kevin Burke, the district attorney said, I'll do whatever it is I, I can do to help you. So again, I, I use that to my advantage and I, and um, I got interviews to law schools here in Boston and they don't do interviews in law school. I don't know if they do now, but they don't interview. It's not like college. You don't have an, there's there is no interview process, but because my, because my grades were on the bubble, I got a, by the way, I got a, um, uh, I think, yeah, I got a 145 on the LSATs, which is the low 30th percentile. Again, it's almost like I didn't even show up twice again. So my SATs were horrible. Uh, my LSATs are horrible. And I studied, I took classes, I did all that stuff. But what I did was, is I leveraged every possible connection I could have. Even the guy that trashed me in the newspapers, uh, you know, uh, saying what a bad kid I was, but he realized then after that, I wasn't and, and said, Hey man, I need your help. Okay. So I get into law school, right? I get into law school. It's a completely different story. Now it's serious business. Now it's real. Now we're talking real money and I'm paying for everything myself. Right. Law school did great on the Dean's list three out of four years, top half of my class, all that stuff was just, you know, and super, I mean, it doesn't get any more competitive than law school as far as and then you know, medical school, maybe. Um, and uh, I get to the end of law school when I realize, shit, I have no legal experience, like real legal, like, cause I went to law school nights cause I had to work. So cause I, you know, I was poor. So I worked uh, during the day and then, and then I went to law school at nights in Boston, Suffolk university. And I get to the end. I'm like, I have no legal experience. These, some of these, uh, students that did go nights, they, they they were really day students and they just went at night. Uh, they shouldn't have, but it throws up the whole curve at the whole, it's a whole nother story. Um, but, uh, you know, so they had real legal experience They're They're like interning at law firms or they're working at law firms. And a lot of my classmates were like MIT, Harvard. I'll tell you a funny story. First day in class. All right. Uh, the, everybody's in, interviewing, um, I excuse everybody's introducing themselves. There's 150 people in the class uh and it's a stadium style seating and they get around to everybody and it's like, you know, so girls like, oh, you know, I'm a you know, I'm a biochemist, uh, at MIT. Uh I have my doctorate in, you know, in neuroscience and and you know, I'm like, and this other one's like, ah, oh, you know, I work at Harvard and going on and on, and whatever. And they get to me and and I'm like, uh, hey, you know, my name's my real last name Shuko, by the way. It's I'm like, yeah, my name's Mike Shuko. I um I sell cars at North Shore Lincoln Mercury, which I did. Uh, I went to Springfield College and I'm like, um if anybody needs a car, come see me. Right. The whole place just couldn't believe what I said because everyone's like, Oh, look at me. I'm really, really cool. By the way, I sold two cars as a result of that. Um, and, and it was really kind of a, like an eye opening experience. And I created a lot of friendships from it because everyone was the most lawyers are really, really stiff. But this guy, Kevin Burke, I get to my senior year and I call him again, my senior year, your fourth year called. And I, I say, Hey, Kevin, um, uh, he was still a DA. I said, uh, Uh, I need, I need to do some sort of internship, you know, now they have a prosecutor's uh, uh, program and and a, um, uh, a public defender's program, but you have to kind of go through the whole process. I get to the end. I realize, shit, I'm kind of late. Call him up, talk to his assistant done. I got in, I was, uh, I was a, uh, what they call 303 certified. You get um, a certification by the Supreme Judicial Court here in Mass and you go and you practice law as if you're a lawyer. Um, the judges don't know, nobody really knows. And uh, it was an amazing experience. Go, now let's come full circle. Uh, bad kid, growing up in the projects, doing bad things, hanging around with the wrong people, testifying in a murder trial that was international. It was like a big, big deal. It was a horrible situation. Guy trashed me, turning around into a positive thing took a long time to, to see that kind the, the, the little nugget in that whole story is all the shit that you're going through in your life whatever it is at some point if you stick it out and you keep working hard and you keep doing your thing um you know it will work out see people always say you know i have people you know they'll say negative things about me and i and as a human being it's still hard to to to, to avoid it but i know who i am you know, remember when we first went on a second ago? Like uh, I was, I was just doing the audio. I didn't even think I had a camera in here on on this computer. Uh, and I was like, "Shit, I just got out of the gym." I was like, eh, I "I'm like, yeah, fuck it, I don't, I don't care, whatever." I know who I am, uh, and I know what I'm what, what I'm about, uh, and uh, and and I feel good about that. And so, if people don't like it, fuck them, you know. Uh, and so, you just kind of work towards your goal of who you want to be, not who you're. Not who you want everyone else to think you are, like on Instagram, right? Like, oh, look at me! I, you know, I'm in here my Rolls Royce Bentley and all that. No, no, dude, you you just rented that thing, man. Work hard and get that thing, then post a picture about it. You know, and whether you're, whether you're leasing it, like Ty Lopez leases this shit. Who cares? Yeah, he's he's paying. I I've, I've been to his house. You know what I mean? Well, he's not there anymore. He was he was he was renting it, but it doesn't matter. I mean, if you if you been to the uh, to to the Hollywood Hills or 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 um or uh, Beverly Hills, and you've been to his house, like. I mean, you just look at it like it's, you know, 50,000 a month just to rent this place. Somebody's, somebody's making money somewhere, (laughs) you know, so I'm off on a tangent. I'll stop. Well, please
0: don't, please don't stop on your tangents because they're (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Um, Okay. So you're at the end of law school. You have this internship. Then what do you do?
1: Um, hmm. Well, so. Yeah. So I'm in, uh, uh, you know, I get to the end graduate and, uh, then you spend all this time and all this money and you have to take this test called the bar exam. Uh, and during that time I had a business, uh, I talk about it in all of my books, uh, and it was failing. And, uh, uh, and so I'm in law school, I'm running this business, uh, and, uh, I had to declare bankruptcy while in law school. Um, and that was really, really difficult thing to do because one, it's just, you don't, you don't feel good about yourself, but two, um, it's actually a question on, on the application for the bar exam. Have you ever declared bankruptcy? And I was like, why is that a question? You know? And so I actually had to call the bar board of borrowers before I declared, because I wanted to make sure that I would at least, uh, get, uh, admitted. Even if you pass the bar exam, the board of bar he still has to sign off on it. You know? So you could have potentially taken the bar exam pass and they say, no, you know, we're not going to let you in. Uh, and that happens very rarely. Um, if you have maybe been arrested for something that was, um, you know, immoral or unethical, that's usually when that happens. Um, so I declared, uh, and, uh, and then I, I, because I was broke, I mean, so I grew up poor, I do all this stuff. I, I, you know, I, I get to this business and I cash on my 401k. It was like, that's a whole nother story in and of itself. But I get to this point and I'm like running, a, running this business and it's, and it just wasn't working. I'm already in debt. Uh, and I had to, you know, I had, to, I had to declare uh, and I declared. And then I was like, shit, I need money, you know, cause I'm totally broke. And so I found a call center right here in this building that we're in, uh, that was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, and I was going to law school nights and I'm like, uh, I'm I'm literally literally bankrupt, uh, and um, I was working there like a legitimate seventy hours a week. Like I remember punching in the punch punch card and 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 I was killing it. I was making like two thousand dollars a week. Even today, people would be psyched to be making that kind of money. Um, give me extra two thousand dollars a week for those of you who don't think it's a lot. Uh, and but uh, I had to study for the bar exam, so I was balancing. Making money, paying my bills. I was uh, newly married. Uh, and uh, so I had all this stuff going on. And uh, I didn't study long enough. I studied for a couple of weeks and, and I didn't pass. And literally, the first time I took the bar exam, I missed it by one question. And how do I know? Because they they show you when you don't pass. Uh, and that's like, um, I remember getting the phone calls from all my friends and went to law school with, oh, Mike, I'm so sorry, and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And I had already read this book called the magic of thinking big. And so my thought process had changed a little bit and I knew that I, I knew that I hadn't prepared properly and I knew that if I had passed, it would have been just luck. Uh, and when I got that and opened that envelope, it was like, you know, you know, someone had just, you know, kicked my dog and punched me in the face at the same time. It just was like a really bad, bad feeling, but I kind of knew what was going to happen. And so I made that decision shortly thereafter that uh, I was going to crush it the second time, which, by the way, statistically, uh, is it's harder the second time because they look at it more closely. The bar exam comes in June or July, and then in February, it's offered twice a year. <clears throat> so uh, that was in November when I got that. Uh, you know, when I got that envelope that said, "Unfortunately," and by the way, I have that framed in my office. Uh, we regret to inform. Uh, and I studied uh, for 13 weeks straight. I took one day off, 10 hours a day every day. Uh, I got to the point where I essentially had a photographic memory. Uh, I could literally close my eyes and turn to constitutional law and say, there it is. There's the answer. Answer. There's my mass accent. And I crushed it. Like, uh, so here's the deal. When you pass the bar exam, they don't tell you what your score is. But I got to, it's two days. I got to the end of day one. I, I said to myself, I'm like, I don't even have to show up day two. I mean, you, 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 know, you have to show up, but. Um, I I felt like I had already scored high enough on day one that I wouldn't, didn't even matter what happened on day two. And it all comes down to one basic thing and that's just preparation and hard work. It's devastating. When you take the bar, you go through four years of law school and then you study and then you don't pass the bar exam. Uh, You know, it wasn't as devastating for me because I just didn't put in the work. If I had gone the second time, all that work and not passed, I don't know, man, it would have been really tough pill to swallow, but it happens, you know? And, uh, and so you just have to, you know, you have to suck it up and and do it again. And I know I have friends that have taken it, you know, a few times and still haven't passed. And I have friends that have made it through four years of law school and decided not to take the bar exam because they're so scared. I was like, what are you afraid of dude? They're, they're just comfortable with their lives and they're just, you know, they're, they're happy with the white picket fence and the two kids and go to Disney once a year. And that's, that's cool. Like, that's what you want to do. But I'm like, man, you went through all this work and, and spent all this money and you're not gonna take the bar exam, like really? You know, so, um, and that's kind of how I got to where I am at today. Is like, because your next question is gonna be, like, "What happened next?" So I'm just gonna save you that moment. So, so that's it's like work. you're a
0: mind reader or yeah, something. Yeah, it's
1: amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I was working in this call center. Um, I missed the bar exam the first time. The owner came up to me and says, "Hey, we're gonna need a lawyer." I didn't pass, so then I had to go to this guy and tell him that I didn't pass the bar exam, and that was like a difficult situation. Um, and he's like. Okay, well you'll pass the second time. And he was like really positive about it. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. He's like, when you pass, just come see me. Uh and so I did. Uh and 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 uh we passed. And then they hired me. And here's the crazy part. I tell this story all the time is um the day I started with this company as a lawyer, I'd already been working in the call center. The day I started, we were sued by the FTC, the FDA, the IRS came behind him, and then it went criminal. The Department of Justice came after him. And so that's okay. Being thrown in the fire is an understatement as it relates to law. And, and, and by the way, when they went after them, we're talking $54 million uh, lawsuit being filed against them. They went for asset freezes, everything. I mean, it was nasty. Um, but that's how I grew up as a lawyer. So it was such an amazing experience. So I learned this business that I'm in now as a result of all that, because I had to learn it really fast. I had to know what was going on because I didn't know what was going on. We had outside counsel and stuff. I wasn't the only lawyer involved, but, um, and so I learned that whole business from the ground up. Plus I started out in this business that I'm in now. When I mentioned I was in the call center, I was in customer service, just making 12 bucks an hour. You know, it just take people screaming at me. And then I went to sales. And so I did, I learned all these different aspects of the business and then I became their lawyer. So I learned everything, ins and outs of all of it. Uh, they ultimately succumbed and went out of business in late 2008. And that's when I started my company Blue Vase because I realized I'm like, no one's going to hire me as a lawyer because we're just, you know, we're kind of like the company I was working for, They're, you were know, kind of cowboys. Um, and I'm an entrepreneur at heart and, and I wasn't going to make the kind of money I was making. By the time I left there, I was making, you know, high six figures. And I just knew that I wasn't going to walk into a law firm. They weren't going to pay me that, you know, so my lifestyle had already changed to a level where I had to maintain that. Um, And that's when I started Blue Base in in in, uh, February of two thousand nine, I believe. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about exactly what you're doing right now. You know, like
1: about take a drink of my Powerade.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good idea. (laughs) But but, uh, once once we get through the Powerade, then yeah, I really want to know like what you're doing. You know how you're how you're helping people. Like, what's your superpower? Like, let's really drill down.
1: shes I don't know that I have a superpower. Um, you know, I think if if, if anything, uh, we'll talk about superpower real quick is the ability to handle stress and to deal with stress. Uh, it uh, as you get older, I don't think it gets easier. I think you're just able to manage it properly if you do it the right way. Uh, I found transcendental meditation six years ago. It changed my life. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I use that as a great um, de-stressor and, and, and also helps me think, uh, helps me um, with mental clarity. I'm not religious about it. I, I don't do it 20 minutes twice a day, every day, like I should. Uh, I know I should. I'm self-aware of the fact that I know I should, but I also know that I do it enough to keep me balanced. Um, and and so the ability to handle stress is, is one thing. I think that people really don't understand what it's like to be a real entrepreneur. Like, you know, again, these, um, these CEOs of Instagram, you know, they put themselves, they marked themselves off as a visionary. I'm like, fuck you, dude, you're fucking, you're not a visionary. Like if if you're Steve jobs, if you're maybe Elon Musk, you know, in our age, um, I don't know. And Henry Ford, I mean, those guys are visionaries. You're not a visionary. Okay. And you're not an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur. You need to feel the pain that I felt. Gary V entrepreneur, Grant Cardone, entrepreneur, Ty Lopez, entrepreneur. These guys like, they don't see the thing is they um they Gary talks a little bit a little about it but Grant doesn't really talk too much about it and Ty doesn't either but um the pain that you go through on a daily basis um and, uh, it, it's extraordinary and there have been times where I literally curl up in a ball literally uh, in my basement and and just just check out and 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 so depression is a very is very high for entrepreneurs anxiety is very high for uh, for entrepreneurs um and so the ability to handle that stuff it's not easy to do and so i want people to know when i am talking talk about helping people i want people to know that look man you first of all you don't have to go through all that shit and to be an entrepreneur but that's just kind of the way it is especially when you when you Uh, You know, when you when you experience the extreme lows that I've had and then you have the extreme highs. And so there's that's when the addiction comes in for me. Addiction and people say, well, what's your addiction? It's business. That high is amazing. Like when you when you your book, you know, hits Wall Street Journal USA Today, like that's a lot of hard work. And then it's like, now I want to do it again. By the way, I, I, I've been chasing the New York Times every time uh, and I don't get it. So I get everything else. But and so so for me, it's like almost like a letdown, but it's an, it's it's also a, it's, a, it's a great achievement. So I want people to know I want young people to know I want any entrep- entrepreneur to know that it is extraordinarily difficult. Uh, and it is an awesome responsibility, especially. I mean, at one point I had almost 200 employees. I, I have like 30 now, um, and and it's my business has declined over 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 time. We can be, talk about why, but um, it's also because I've become smarter. As a young entrepreneur, I was like, man, I want a massive company. I want all these people. I want just this big thing. And I would come in, you know, in suits and and you know, pulling up in the Lexus and and just like being a big shot. But I was burning through so much cash when I first started; it almost put me out of business because I wasn't really paying attention to this word called profit you know so 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 what i want people to know and it's why i write these books and i don't make money with these books is that um i just want people to know that that it it is difficult but you can do it you just have to put in the work man um and it's it's so it's so cliche-ish and you see memes about it and i and I i try to kind of create my own versions of some of these like cliches but it's it, it's the ability to overcome like constant disappointment. You know, Zig Ziglar, we started out earlier. Zig Ziglar, you know, talked about this and he taught me this. He says that he's never failed at anything. Uh, he just suffers temporary defeats. And so I suffer temporary defeats day after day after day. But it's that one time that you win that makes a big difference, uh, that can change everything. Um, and it's the superpower is to be able to go through that. And it is not a superpower. It's just be like, all right, fuck. I'm going to do it one more time or I'm going to put now, and here's the other weird part about this. And I struggle with this is that, so I have people that work for me and you know, we're like, look, I launched the vodka. Uh, love it. Did we did great things. We, we won awards. We went against, um, uh, Bacardi and a, uh, and a, and a packaging contest internet. We've won all sorts of medals, all this, all this other stuff. Um, but ultimately I had to, I had to shut it. I had to shelve it. No pun intended because it just wasn't making us money. I launched a daily fantasy sports company called draft demons, spent a shit ton of money with that. Uh, I was trying to compete against DraftKings, Uh, and the only reason why I did it is because, um, um, is it I think the guy's name is Jason, uh, Jason, uh, the CEO of, of DraftKings. We both got the 40 under 40 award in Boston and I tried to talk to him and he was just a dick to me. So I came home I'm like, fuck him. I'm going to compete. That was a bad idea. I lost money in that. Um, I, I did, a, I backed an artist, uh, love his art. His name is Blake Emery. It's in the, uh, you know, that didn't work. Um, you know, I, um, I, I, I got involved in cryptocurrency. I have a, I have a mining operation in Illinois. It's still running right now. I got like a hundred Bitcoin miners right now. It's underwater. Um, I've done hundreds of infomercials and we only have like three, um, that have worked over time. So it's constant disappointment. And that sucks as a human being. I don't care what anybody says. It's just, it's just, it does not feel good. So it's like, all right, you got to dust yourself off, (sighs) take a deep breath and just be like, all right, just move forward. And and when I mentioned that I have people that work for me, they see this shit, they don't handle it. Like I do. They're like, ah, just another failure. I don't look at it like that. And that's why I'm sitting in the corner office and that's why, um, you know, I have the things that I have but it's, it's an extraordinary responsibility. uh, And it is very, very difficult. And so I just want people to to see that. And my last book, blueprint to business, I just want people to, to, to really see that stuff and understand like what it takes. And uh, you know uh, and, and I think really you have to experience, you don't have to experience necessarily the extreme pain, but you have to experience what it's like. You just can't talk about it, you know? Um, Yeah. That's uh, that's what I'm trying to do for people, I guess.
0: So let's talk about like what services and, and products, like, what do you sell? How do you, how do you actually practically like, what does it's your business funny. do? Yeah, yeah. I
1: don't, Cause all this stuff doesn't work. So the stuff I'm like, uh, so, so it, it's a weird, and this is why my business has been declining. Cause we're, we're in the, um, we're in the direct response, long form infomercial business, uh, our, our primary core business. We do some stuff on radio. We're obviously doing stuff on the internet, uh, and, uh, and and we, we did some stuff in retail, but primarily like 90% of our revenue comes from long form uh, advertising. Uh, so we built this company from the ground up. And when we built it from the ground up, like our systems, we have our own CRM. We have a lot of these things that are in place that, are, that we realized over the past, basically the past two years, that we can kind of take all those assets that we've built. And just plug them into really into the into the quote modern, you know day uh, uh, marketing of of digital marketing, social media, and things like that. And so we sell uh, a lot of dietary supplements, health related products. Um, we do sell a ton of books, um, and we've we've sold we've sold a lot of books. And now we're also starting to basically take our know how, my 20 years uh, being involved in the world of marketing, both as a lawyer uh, and as a CEO uh, and, and saying, Hey, look, if you just did some of these basic things, I spoke at an event uh, called build your empire. And it was just, um, it, it was, uh, it, it blew my mind, uh, the lack of knowledge that some of these kids had. Uh, but it also blew my mind the type of business they were doing. Like these guys are doing big business, but they, they have no idea. Like, so I have a call center still, right. I have inbound up on calls. I tell people like, look, the old stuff still works like this thing right here telephone, uh, it still works. Like it's not, it's not going away. It's just changing. It's just evolving of of what the telephone can do, you know, as far as your iPhone, things like that, you know, so these guys that are um, doing big business online uh, you know, like Shopify stores or, or like click funnels and things like that um, they'll bring leads in. Right. Uh, And then they uh, you're only converting X amount. You'd be lucky if you're converting, converting like 5% of them. And so the other 95%, they just They send emails, maybe the smart ones might even do some text messages because they might get them to opt in, but they don't reach out to these people, uh, you know, and one on one like human communication. We do that, you know, and I show people look, a lot of times the reason why you have abandoned carts, the reason why people didn't check out or whatever is because they just wanted to talk to somebody and you don't give them that ability. So, you know, we take some of our old school stuff. Uh, and implemented into the new school stuff that's happening. Direct mail, like uh, right here, this is a um, a restaurant uh, that I own, and and we, you know, we're doing Facebook advertising, uh, and we're also uh, doing some direct, you know, direct mail, you know, to to bring people in there. So we're we're combining that that, that stuff, and just and then of course just basic like you know word of mouth and Facebook and um, Instagram and, and a lot of that stuff. But a lot of the old school marketing still works. Direct mail, like if you're a if you're a digital marketer no matter what you, if you have a physical product, even if it's not physical direct mail, man, is killing it. And here's why, because people don't get mail like they used to. So if they get a nice piece in the mail and you put together a nice copy and things like that, which we know how to do, um, uh, they're going to look at it and you're going to get a response, you know? So um, those are the things that that we're doing now. So we're kind of like almost transitioning in a way to um, we've always been a full service direct response. We have our own fulfillment, like, like right here in the building, we ship our own stuff. So, A lot of our stuff's internal where i'm sitting in our own radio studio right behind me like we talked earlier about film production studio uh where we can do product shoots we can do you know uh actual infomercials or or whatever it is you want to put on television or or the internet we have photo photo booths where we can take product shots um we ship stuff for people and now we're saying hey look we can do this for you i never thought of it like that when i first started because i wanted to control everything Uh, just, just again, it's just stuff I just didn't realize it's actually a lot more profitable to become a a service provider than anything, uh, because I'm not shelling out all the cash now, right. I'm not, I'm I'm not putting up all the money, you know, and I, and because I've spent my own money, like hundreds of millions, um, I am hypersensitive to using other people's money. Like I just did, um, a book marketing campaign for a guy, uh, and it was six figures uh, uh, low six figures, but it was still six figures uh, for all my books. I've spent like, I've spent close to $2 million marketing my books. It's a crazy number. I'd made tons of mistakes, but you know, uh, you know, we, we, be, we hit all these lists for a reason, right? Because, because we figured it out and, you know, I felt uncomfortable. It's such a weird thing saying, Hey, look, man, you know, I need, you know, 25 grand for this or that or whatever. Um, because it's, I just don't like spending I, I just, I I just want to make sure that it works because you know not everything works, and so I uh, I feel like in my company we feel very very good about that that we're we're not just a lot of these um, you know these uh, social media marketing agencies that Ty Lopez teaches people what to do they don't know what it's like to spend money and and lose their own money I do and I know what it's like to spend a dollar uh, and bring in $3 as well. So, um, so we're kind of taking all that knowledge and, and applying it for, for the average everyday, uh, you know, business, local businesses, restaurants, uh, you know, just small, smaller brands right now. We're doing it for authors. We're doing t- kick-ass shit for authors. Like I can, here's the thing. I can take any book, uh, any book and any genre, and I can make it a number one bestseller, uh, on Amazon in less than 24 hours. I I took this guy that I'm talking about. He was an unknown, self-published author. I took him to number one across everything on, on Amazon. I took him to the number two book in the world. Michelle Obama was behind him uh, on BarnesandNoble.com. And I made him a Wall Street Journal USA Today bestselling author. And nobody knows how to do that. So I'm really excited about that because a lot of these authors, you know, they, they write a book and they, they even get a big publisher. Like my publisher's Wiley and Sons, the fifth largest in the world, and, but they don't market like I do. And so if you're an author and you write a book, you're like, Oh, cool. I'm just going to just put it out there and it's just going to be awesome. No, it's not. You have to market it. So we're, I'm showing authors that, Hey, it's, if you want to become a number one bestseller on Amazon, I can do that for you in 24 hours. It's not going to cost you six figures, but it's going to cost you some money, you know, and you, and you, or you just try and do it yourself and make the mistakes I did and, and, and figure it out. You, you can figure it out. It just takes you some time. You know, so really excited about that. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know what, if we're going to talk about a superpower, I would say that is that like, if there are any authors that are listening, watching right now, and you want to take your book uh, to number one, or you really, really want to, you know, get it out there, hit me up, you know, find me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat at Mike Alvin 2012. And, and, and I can show you how to do it, but again, cost money, <laughs> not a ton, but it costs money. Oh, look at that. You put blue base right up there. That's cool. Did you do that? Or is that me? No, that's you. Oh. Oh, blue right the corner. I thought I did that.
0: I thought you did that. Hmm. You know what? I actually think that's Zoom, that's Zoom, doing oh, that for us. I, so, right. um, I. but yeah. So uh, the question that I have then, I wanna, I wanna ask you something that you said earlier mm-hmm. uh, about something that you said earlier when you were having that conversation with your mom, and she was like, "Is that how you want to be remembered?" Right. And you said, "No, I don't want to be remembered that way." Right. How do you want to be remembered?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a great, great question. Uh, That's that's a tough, deep one, man. So in my book, Ask More, Get More, I tell people, I say, and I learned this from someone else. And by the way, we all learn stuff from other people. It's just our own, it's just our version of it, right? You know, Um, uh, I I say, you know, today, uh, write your own obituary and, and think about how you want to be remembered, you know? And so when I think about, you know, legacy, Uh, and when I think about, you know, when you leave this earth, um, I don't have this kind of grandiose, like, um, uh, thought of like, Hey, I I want my name on buildings or anything like this, stuff like that. Although, you know, my law school, we're talking about a little bit, not, not names on buildings, but, you know, setting up, um, you know, scholarships and things like that. So how I want to be remembered is I want to be able to help people and I want them to remember that I, that I helped them when I get up and I don't get a lot of them and my social media presence isn't really that strong, but you know, when I get a, a, a a direct message from somebody, I don't know from somewhere like my books are in, uh, in China, India, uh, um, Japan, Korea and I'll get a message from somebody from another country or even here in the United States that says hey man I read your book and it changed my life to me like that is like the best feeling in the world and when I'm when I'm having a tough day and when someone says that to me man I just I just it just makes me feel great so I want to be able to to help people I, I coach my daughter's soccer team and I've been coaching since I was uh since since, she, since she's 13 so I've been coaching since she was 6 and, and um these girls, I watch these girls grow up and I look at them like almost like they're, they're my kids. And so i love to see them progress. i love to see, you know, them get better. I mean, I, I, I tell a story when I first started coaching, I uh, it was like probably the second year, uh, this girl, um, you know, it's a horrible story to tell, but I'm going to take, cause I got him super candid. And she, she came in one of the coaches, I was the assistant coach and he's like, I don't want to deal with her. Cause she was, she's just was a bit of a disaster. She's, she was a basket case, you know, never played soccer before. I'm like, man, I don't want to deal with this kid either. Like what's, you know, like, I, you know, I just want to have fun. And then I was like, you are such a fucking asshole, dude. Like you're a coach, man. Your, your job as a, as a, as a U eight, uh, soccer coach is not to teach these girls how to become professional soccer players, but it's to give them the life skills that they're going to take and use later on in life. Like all the same skills that I learned from my coaches, and once I once that clicked on me and I realized what an asshole I was, I kind of made it my made her my mission. Uh, and by the way, she's probably will not make a high school soccer team, but she's still playing soccer and she still comes to the games. And some, and sometimes she comes in rotation. I'll end up I'll end up coaching her. Um, and so these are the things that I want to do for people. I want people to to learn from the things that I've done. And it's a weird thing, but by the way, because I'm 44 and and, you know, I think of it, I still feel like I'm that. 21 year old kid who was just a kid. Um, and so it's weird trying to teach people stuff, but you know, I was talking to some people. I'm like, you know what? I actually know a lot of stuff. I've been through a lot of shit. I've seen a lot of stuff. So I just want to help people. Uh, and, and, and I do it like every day. Like I don't, sometimes to my own detriment, you know, like there are things I could probably make money with. Uh, but I just, I, you know, I generally like to help people look, there's a point where it's like, all right, that's enough. And I like, you know, I can It was only so many hours in the day, but if someone reaches out to me, like whatever, Instagram that doesn't, it doesn't, you know, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, and they have a question, you know what I mean? I was like, Hey, this is what I would do. Like when I spoke at this event, I didn't get paid to speak. Um, I was just giving people, you know, the knowledge that I felt as though is, is beneficial. The, The benefit to me is I filmed it. I used it for content. You know what I mean? It's like you know, there's my, there's my upside, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, so that, I think that's that, that's where where I see and 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 then at the end of the day, too, people say, "What's your why?" Like right now, my like my daughter will always be my why, and I and I I want her to 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 to, to see the real life um, uh, aspects of an entrepreneur, of a dad uh, who you know went out divorced, but my wife, my ex wife, and I still still really work well together and i but i want her to understand real life stuff i think a lot of parents make the mistake of hiding things from their kids and i've had peaks and valleys uh especially over the past couple years and and i just want her to see it and appreciate it so she has a lot more than most kids um but there have been times when i was like man things could get really ugly and i kind of let her know not to the point i don't want to stress her out because she's only 12 or 11 years old at the time you know what i mean but i want them to see i want them to understand, like it's not easy. It's not always Disney and, 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 ice cream, you know, sometimes it's difficult and kids need to understand that stuff because it, it just like when we're coaching in soccer, you know, it, it's that those life skills at the end that they might get from that one time where I was like, you know, girls crying or whatever, she's hurt. And I remember when I was a coach, I had a coach, he says, are you hurt or injured? I said, I, I, what do you mean? I, I don't understand. He said, are you hurt? Are you injured? And I was like, why? He said, because, if you're hurt, you can still play. If you're injured, you can't. And I remember thinking about that all the time. So it's even when you're coaching these 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old girls, and you have to, like, push them not too far but it's almost like that same thing. Like, okay, you just got drilled in the face of the soccer ball. Is your nose bleeding? Are you seeing, are you, you know, like, are you, are you seeing double vision? Can you still play? Like, are you tired? Are you just tired? Well, get back out. You're not going to fucking die. Get back. Out. I don't swear I'm like that. but get back out there and do it. You know what I mean? Like hustle. Like, don't, I tell my daughter, I'm like, Hey, I, I, I go to every one of her practices and I'm like, Hey, like you let up there. Like when you run, you're doing sprints, you run through the line. You don't stop because that's life you know what i mean you don't get to the line then you stop no you run through that fucking line you make a statement and you let everyone know like yeah you know i'm working hard so when i think about that like that's what i love to do and and um, uh, and that's people that's how people will, will remember it's a morbid thing to think about by the way to like think about death like as you get older i think about man like i just had a um it's a weird thing on like, sex just on my back i just had a uh uh like a like a mole remove. I was all freaked out about it. And they called me two days later and, and I was like, shit, this is not good. And they're like, yeah, you know, um, normally they come back, uh, benign. And I'm like, here comes the fucking bomb. I've had a friend of mine just die of melanoma. And she's like, yeah, yours came back, uh, atypical. I go, what does that mean? Well, and she's like being like, I'm like, is it cancer? or Isn't it? Well, no, it's, it's pre I go, what is, I don't understand what that means. Please explain. I'm like a direct guy. She's like, well, if you did nothing it could have turned to cancer. We removed it. So it most likely won't turn to cancer, but most people, the, the odds of them getting melanoma is like 2%. You're at now like 4%. So my odds just got worse. And that it's, it's so silly to think about. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm fine, but I'm like, fuck man. What if it was cancer? Like, like how much, you know what I mean? Like how many more days? And so I really start to think about too, just in life in general, it's hard when you're young, but I'm like, all right, man, like, I don't have a bucket list really. You know what I mean? But I, you got to start really kind of doing the things that make sense for you uh, and your family uh, and all this stuff, the money and all this other shit. It doesn't, none of of that shit matters. And I got really comfortable with that, by the way, about about two years ago, it was like, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care about Instagram and and Snapchat and all that other stuff and showing people the the watches. And I have done that here and there, but um, I just, I just really don't care about the financial shit as much. I want to make sure that I live a comfortable lifestyle, but I just want to be happy. That's it. You know, see, wicked, wicked it's a By the way, it's a t-shirt company I started. I just want to be happy. And it, and it sounds again, so um, just basic, you know, but you get to a point where you're like, all right, a little bit old. I guess I do have a little bit of wisdom. I have a painting in my bedroom by, by this artist, Romero Brito. Google him. He's like the most prolific artist of our time. It's an original painting of the word happy over my fireplace and i look at that and even just the fact that i just said over my fireplace it's like in my bedroom it's like growing up in the projects like being you know when the, the salvation army would subsidize my my christmas and, and my thanksgiving and i have this original painting but i look at it I have to remind myself every day that happiness is something that you need to work towards but it's also something that universally every human being on this on this planet wants and uh that's that's what i'm chasing happiness
0: that's awesome. I think that's great. So I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show today. Uh, I really do appreciate your time and just have a few more questions then then we'll wrap it on up. Let's do it. So one of the things that I feel is, and this is my opinion, uh, but, but I really feel is a bedrock of humanity is connection on many, many different layers. Um, I want to know, and I'm interested in learning, what your philosophy is on developing deep, meaningful and genuine connection with another person.
1: Great question. So when I spoke at this event that I told you about, uh, the uh, theme uh, of, of my speech uh, was on something I call connection capital. Uh, And I learned that uh, from a friend of mine, his name is Larry Benet. Um, I've always done it my whole life. uh, But uh, he kind of coined the phrase connection capital. And so Um, When I started my business, I, 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 I didn't know rich people. I didn't have money. Uh, But up until that point, when I was practicing law at this other company, I had developed great relationships with people that we did business with, because I, I became more than just a lawyer. I was more like a biz dev guy. I was essentially like the CEO at the very end, because my my old boss just had all such a um, drug problems, and it's it's very well documented and it's out there. So, but um, and so I just essentially kind of like became the CEO. But I had developed really great, meaningful relationships with the people that we were doing business with. And so I always tell people, behind every business, there are humans even with AI and everything else, there are always humans behind there. So to have that connection capital, uh, as far, as far as in business, it is, uh, it is worth more than dollars, uh, in your bank account. And so I have like real friends to this day that I met way back then, um, that, that are, that are also that I do business with, you know, and sometimes it's hard to, um, to separate them, especially when things go South, but. And which happens, and it's happened to me, it happens all the time. It's just life and just business. Things go south, and all of a sudden you owe somebody a few hundred grand, and like, oh, fuck. But if you're really good friends with them, you know, it makes it, it actually makes it easier because you have that connection capital, you have that real deep rooted friendship. And so I think uh, that it is, it is um, the uh, currency uh, of humanity, you know, to be able to have a real, connection you know with people um and um and it's weird because i'm somewhat of an introvert i would say i'm an introvert i'm definitely not an introvert i think i'm more of a i'm like a like a loner you know um where i have a lot of friends but i don't like hang out with people all the time you know what i mean i don't in fact last night i should have gone to this event in boston i just didn't i just i actually at soccer practice you know i should have gone to it but Soccer practice was more important to me Uh, because my daughter is more important to me than 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 anything. Um, But yeah, to be able to connect with people is important, and it's you're either going to connect with people or you're not. I mean, there's just people you just. Not, I tell my daughter this: too, like, I go, look, there are going to be kids you just don't like, and there are going to be kids that just don't like you. Don't let it bother you. You know, you're going to have friends that are going to come and go. Just let it happen. I, I know it's difficult when you have a really BFF, great BFF, and she's gone now, whatever, that's just life. But, but you will have, you know, they say, if you have, you know, if you can count five people on your hand, you know, of of great friends, then you're, then you're doing well. Um, I think it is, uh, an undervalued thing that, and people don't really recognize it. And in this day and age of, um, texting and, uh, and FaceTiming and all these other things, it's evolving. It's changing. Like for me, I gotta be honest. I think it's, it's it's working for me and you, uh, I think, (laughs) um, but this right here, like I'm looking at you. I know, I don't know if people can see it the way. I don't even know how the way the camera is set up. It's a little awkward for me at first, um, you know, uh, but uh, you know, it does work and, and, but it's not the same, right. As sitting like right across, right across from me, but th- to be able to develop a real friendship first, I think is is like kind of the most important thing. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I mean, I, and how you develop them is just through absolute, genuine caring, you know, for people. And, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. How else, I don't know how else to say it.
0: <laughs> I think it's a good answer. <laughs> Definitely a good answer. Thanks. Thanks. So last question for you. I'm 24. And the reason I say that is because it's relevant to the question. Uh, but what question should I be asking you specifically me asking specifically you, with your knowledge, your wisdom, your genius, your experience, That I just wouldn't think to ask.
1: Yeah, you know what, man, that's, I I don't know. I don't know that I have the answer to that, you know, that question. I think that, you know, at at 24 years old, I think about when I was 24, I was very impatient. You know, I wanted everything Um, I I saw, even though this was kind of like, I mean, Facebook, let me think. Yeah. Facebook, I think. Yeah. So how long ago was that? 14, 15 years ago? No, let me see. I'm 20, 20, years ago. Shit. How long's how, how long, how Facebook run around? 15 years?
0: 2004.
1: Yeah. And so. before that, there was MySpace, stuff like that. So, so like I, it wasn't really in my face, but it was, oh, you know, you know what it was for me and for my generation, it was, I call it the MTV generation. So they had Yo! MTV Cribs. And so you saw, and then, um, and then it was this other one, which was, uh, by, um, Robin Leach, uh, like the rich and famous or something like that. So you, so you saw that stuff and you, you kind of got envious of that and you wanted that stuff. You know, um, I think patience, uh, is something that, that if I'm you, you know, you, if you're going to ask me the question, I'm just going to give you the answer. I think you need to be patient. I tell people all the time, I say, uh, I'm not in a hurry, but I act with a sense of urgency. So in everything that I do, you know, so like, I know if I just keep working at it with a sense of urgency that it'll eventually, that, that it'll eventually get there. Um, I think patience is important, but don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. People are like, Oh, well, see, there's all these people too. They think, well, it's just going to happen because, because why? Cause you think you deserve it? No, dude, you got to go out and get it So like the, like you reached out to me. I didn't even know you. I don't even like you just, re- I don't even know how we connect. I mean, I know you reached out to me and, uh, I don't know. You just seemed like the way you reached out. I liked it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, I just, you know, so like, it's stuff like that. Like Gary Vee talks about it all the time. Listen, I do this stuff too, that, you know, like, okay. So I started this brand called wicked happy, right. But wickedhappy.com and, and, and so it's, you know, we're doing stuff for restaurants. We're do it's, it's apparel. It's designed to make people happy. It's fun. And, but it just started. Like we have 136, 440 followers on Instagram it just started. I think it's something that can be big. So what I'm, what am I doing at 44 years old? The CEO of this company and doing big things. I'm following Gary V's advice and I'm reaching out to influencers one by one myself and be like, Hey, you know, this is like, you know, this, this is t-shirt company I'm, I'm, would you be interested in, you know, and I, and some of them like Gary say, they're going to come back and say, oh, I want a million dollars or whatever, but I'm doing it. So I'm putting in the work. I think that patience, and I think that it, just recognizing that you do have to put in the work, like I will take out the trash at my company if I have to, you know, uh, and no matter how big it, you know, I get or things, you know, things get, um, you know, you have to, you know, you have to be able to, to, to do the work. Uh, and do the shit that most people want. Again, my book blueprint to business, I talk about the things that most people don't want to do, like what you're doing right now um, in creating content. And before we went live, I was like, dude, I want to talk to you offline about how you're doing, what you're doing. You know, you're broadcasting on 17 different platforms. I have no idea how to do that. Like, that's kind of cool. So your generation is being, is, is teaching my generation the things that we need to know that we, we like, we want to learn how to do like, and I think, that, I think that's awesome. So, you also have great value to add to, to, add to me, right? You know, because when we hang up, I'm going to, or when we finish, I'm like, dude, show me how to do this. Um, and I, by the way, what you're doing right now, too, for the people that are watching and listening, I think uh, that podcasting and vlogging or whatever we want to call it uh, is such a great tool for connection capital to develop relationships. I have become close friends with some people that I didn't know otherwise uh, that I reached out to you, reached out to you, just like you did to me, like Ryan Blair. uh, He wrote the book, uh, nothing to lose everything to gain. Uh, He wrote uh, rock bottom to rock He's the CEO of a company called Visalis did almost 2 billion in revenue. Um, I reached out to him because every time I would go to the airport, I would see his book next to my book. And I'm like, who is this guy? And I reached out to him by the way, five or six times, not one response ever. And then all of a sudden, boom, he responded. And now we're like, you know, i stayed at his house. I mean, it's a different lifestyle because it's Hollywood and versus it's, uh, um, but I mean, great guy doing great things, just a genuine, just nice person. Um, We're the same age, but he has so much knowledge uh, that he's taught me, you know, since then. And we just became great friends all because I, you know, I reached out to him because I just wanted to have him on my podcast. Uh, And so this, my point is, is that, that this, uh, medium that, that you are using and that so many people are, it's a great way just to connect people and, 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 and build value in, in their lives as well. So, uh, I don't know that I answered your question, but I tried.
0: Well, it was a valiant effort and I definitely <laughs> got a lot from it. So, <laughs> so thank you very much. And, yeah. uh, you know, I really do want to say thank you very much, uh, Michael, for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it. And it has been an honor to share this time with you and to, uh, Get a little peek into your world. So thank Thanks, you very much. me appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, I want to go ahead and give the audience some actionable tips. You know, we're fired up, heard your story, heard some of the things that you're doing. What are some actionable things? Um, you know, maybe one or two things that the audience can do right now in order to start seeing some uh, some quantum leaps?
1: yeah, and and again, it's 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 almost just what you said. It's start now. Like I just posted about this on Instagram. You know, so many people say, you know, I call it if I had only syndrome, if I had only done that, if I would only listened to Mike, if I had only, you know, you know, read that book, and if I had only, then, then my life would look like this. Um, I'm the type of person that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm, I do it. Like this wicked happy. I I, I was like, Hey, you know what, man? I think, uh, I think we could do a bang up job. Uh, and, and I'm an attorney. So we, we checked it out and make sure we could trademark it. And we're doing all this. I'm like, it's such a cool term. It makes sense. It's, 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 it's in line with where I'm at in life right now, uh, where I just, I'm seeking happiness. So I therefore want to help other people with happiness. So, um, I took action, you know, and, uh, and, and you know what, it, it may not work. Um, this one I feel really good about. I feel I feel like it's going to work because of just what we're trying to do, uh, and so you, so you just got to start now, like literally right now. People ask me all the time to say, "Oh, I want to write a book." And I say, "Oh, great, cool. Well, what should I do? Start writing. How? Well, uh, do you do you have a pen? Uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Just start writing. Uh, do you no? I don't have a pen. Okay. Do you do you have a, an iPhone? Do you have a did, yeah? Okay. Start just type in it. W- w- they, they, they I did listen. I'm an author. It's kind of cool to say, best selling author, Wall Street Journal, all this other stuff. But I had no idea how to write a book, okay? I just started writing. I literally, my book, ask more, get more. I did handwrite almost all of it. And then I typed it. So I just started writing. So I tell people, man, whatever it is you want to do, because I don't know what you want to do. I don't know what your goals are. Um, You know, you you just have to start moving. People say, I don't know where to start. Well, you just have to fucking start. You have to do something like make a decision. I just posted about this on, on Instagram. So many people don't want to make a decision because they're, they're paralyzed with fear. They're paralyzed because they don't know the answer. Okay. The only way you're going to know the answer is to start doing it. You know, they say the best way to learn is by doing, right? Doing or teaching, right? Doing you say and so I say, look, just, just start doing it. Like I don't you know what I mean, I like, I don't know your world. I don't know what you're trying to do. You just take steps. And <laughs> Gary V, again, I love I do love the, the stuff he says. He goes, Look, this is this great thing you could do. I'll give you the website. It's G-O-O-G-L-E, right? You just say Google it and figure it out. You know what I mean? I learned how to tie a Windsor knot on uh, uh, on YouTube. You know what I mean? So it's like You just the the information. The difference between when I was your age um, uh, and now is like the information's available. Like it's there. Whatever it is you want to do or figure out, it's there. And then you just have to just go ahead uh, and do it. And don't. I'll tell you this. Another thing is is don't let people you know, I call them, I don't, I, I don't believe in dreaming. I tell people dreaming is for sleeping. Let's start doing, but I'm just going to use the word dream. Cause it's what people understand. Don't let someone else steal your dreams, your mother, your father, your spouse, your, it's your, your brother, your sister. Those are usually the ones who screwed up for you. It's just the way it's just life. Yeah. What do you want to do that for you? Sure. You want to do that? Like I had my dad say to me, you sure you want to go to law school? He's, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm fucking, yeah, yeah. What? Are you sure you want? Of course I want to go to law. You know what I mean? I had an, I had an aunt say, oh, well, you know, you, your cousin, you know, she went to community college and, and she's doing great. Are you sure you want to go? Yeah, I want to go to law school. Like they, they, they were stealing. Now, I don't think they were being malicious. Sometimes you have parents and family members that are straight up malicious, but, uh, you know, don't let them, you know, steal your dream. So real simple shit, man. You just have to do it. And then here's the other thing too. I'll give you three things. Um, when you do decide whatever it is you need to do, um, you have to be consistent because so many people and I, and I, and, uh, and uh, everybody suffers from it, including me. Uh, so many people though are consistently inconsistent. So they'll go for like, and Gary, again, Gary, just was, I was listening to one of his, his podcasts be like, all right, well, uh, you know, like I'm reaching out to influencers and it's like you, you go for like a week and then you just stop. Well, okay. Well, that is that going to grow your business? No, probably not. So you need to be consistent when, when you do it and day after day, after day, after day, whatever it is you're trying to do until you get to a point where you realize maybe it's just not working. Okay. If it's just not working, then you have to reevaluate, you know? So, uh, be consistent. Uh, and, and then just start, man. You want to write a book, start writing. You want to lose weight, go to the gym or just go for a walk. You know what I mean? You know, you want to, you want to take that girl out on a date, ask her out. You know what I mean? You want to go to college, fill out the fucking application, you know, like, all the shit that most people don't want to do, which is uh, like, I mean, I can go on forever, but I go, I remember filling out the application for college. It's like, I had my mother help me. Cause I I couldn't do it. You know, the, it's called the FAFSA form. I think it still exists. It's like, it's, it's it's almost like a barrier and almost like they make it difficult for you to actually get into college. Um, but it's all that stuff. It's just life. Like all that shit isn't easy, but you just have to kind of start. And all the mistakes that people make along the way, by the way, I tell people this too, the mistakes that, uh, you will make, uh, 99.9% of them are fixable. So if you make a mistake, so look at 24, like, let, let's say you wanted to go big on something. You have an idea. Like I did with my Zeus juice about, um, and I ultimately declared bankruptcy when I was 27, 28. Um, I knew that when I declared I could recover. Right. So at a young age, so you do have an advantage, like you can recover financially if you go big on something. Cause like, all right, well, it didn't work. Like now it's now I'm 44. It's like, if it's still, by the way, it still comes up, uh, you know, if I'm getting a bank loan or whatever, um, even though it's not on my credit, it still comes up, but you can recover. So you can recover from most of your mistakes. So don't let, you know, your, the, your fear of mistakes also hold you back. So I'm going to, I'm just going to stop there. Cause I can just keep being cliche for the, for the next hour, I guess.
0: <laughs> first hour history second hour cliche hour <laughs> uh, but again thank you so much for for coming on the show i really do appreciate it and to everybody who's listening i want to thank y'all very very much um for sticking with us till the end for supporting the show for supporting me i love y'all from the bottom of my heart thank you thank you thank you and uh, i will see you on the next episode